your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 476 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And I got just three words for you guys tuning in today. Ryan freaking Lindgren. Ryan Lindgren coming through with the most clutch goal of his young NHL career here. Just an absolutely frantic final couple of seconds there. Uh, On the other hand, though, it really wasn't that frantic because the puck was kind of pinned in the corner and it looked like the clock was just going to run out and the Rangers and Sabres were going to head into overtime. But all five guys on the ice contributed to this goal here. You had Kreider and Goodrow doing everything that they could in the corner of the rink, you know, trying to get the puck loose. They had three Sabres all over them. So they were outnumbered. It was basically a two on three battle. And uh, Kreider and Goodrow, it took some time, but they eventually won this battle. Goodrow kind of Move the puck along to Kreider along the boards. Kreider finally gets it free and passes to Adam Fox. Now, Fox is just in front of the goal line there, and he passes back to Mika Zibanejad. And at this point, you know, the clock's running out. It looks like it's going to expire. I'm sure I wasn't the only person watching this who was just thinking, shoot, you know, shoot the puck, Mika. But Mika makes that one extra pass over to Ryan Lindgren, who's crashing the net, and he tips it in for the game-winning goal with less than a second remaining. Uh, Just an absolute thrilling win. Uh, The Rangers scoring. It was not a perfect night, but anytime you score the game-winning goal with less than a second left, I think you got to take that. Obviously, the celebration was on at that point. All the Rangers were mobbing Ryan Lindgren, and Ryan Lindgren, somebody who's very well-liked, very well-respected in that locker room. I think if you ask most of the players on the New York Rangers, if you could pick somebody to have this moment, Ryan Lindgren's going to be pretty high on a lot of their lists. Somebody who just comes to play every single night, plays that old-school, tough, physical hockey that we all know and love so much, and uh, somebody who is just solid as a rock for this New York Ranger team. Kind of came out of nowhere a few seasons ago and has firmly established himself as a uh, top-four defenseman on this team. I think he'd be a top-four defenseman on pretty much any team in this league at this point. Ryan Lindgren shows up to play every single night, and he's somebody that you just don't have to worry about. You know, you just pencil into the uh, pencil him to the lineup, excuse me, and you know that he's going to go out there and just take care of business. But one other thing that I loved about this play is the hockey instincts that were on display from Ryan Lindgren here because he was in really deep on this play. He went a lot deeper than you typically see Ryan Lindgren go on any offensive zone possession. You know, he's a little bit of a stay-at-home defenseman. He has a little bit of offensive talent, I think, probably a little bit more than he typically gets credit for. But for the most part, you think Ryan Lindgren, you think, once again, physical, tough hockey, kind of a little bit of a stay-at-home defenseman. But he was in really deep here, right on the doorstep, really pretty much in the crease. And I think the reason that he was in so deep on this play is because, again, the puck is pinned in the corner. You've got Kreider and Goodrow doing their darndest to get the puck loose and set up one last scoring chance for the Rangers here. But Lindgren, you know, he's probably got his eye on the clock. He probably, I'm sure he at least glanced up at least once. And, you know, there's 10 seconds left. And then there's down to, you know, six, five, four. So once there's this little time left on the clock and the puck is behind the Buffalo net or at least behind the goal line there, if you're Ryan Lindgren, this is really the only thing to do. Come up a little bit closer, get closer to the net in the rare opportunity that you might have a chance to put one in from the doorstep here because there's no reason to hang back if you're Ryan Lindgren or anybody else 
on the Rangers here because once it's getting down to, once again, six seconds, five seconds, four seconds, and the puck is behind that goal line, you know there's no time left. Even if the Sabres get the puck loose and they get possession, they're not going to have enough time to create, you know, rush the other way and create anything even resembling a scoring chance. So there's really no reason if you're Lindgren to stay back. He did the only thing that he could possibly do here that would, you know, potentially benefit the Rangers in any way, and he moved up in the play. And if you watch this this whole thing develop here, again, Kreider with the nice pass, Gaudreau was kind of working with Kreider to get the puck loose. Every single Ranger on the ice should get an assist here. And obviously, you know, Lindgren got the goal, and obviously that's not how they do it. But everybody, all five guys working their tails off to make it happen here. And Gaudreau gets it over at Kreider. Kreider finally gets it loose. And then, you know, Fox back to Mika. And this is one of those cases where, you know, we hear the term, oh man, one pass too many, one pass too many. And there's times where the Rangers and really every team in hockey has been guilty of that. You know, a team just tries to go for that extra pass and somebody gives up a a prime scoring opportunity themselves to make that extra pass. But this is an example of when that one extra pass, and it's a prime example, by the way, of when that one extra pass can really kind of work in a team's favor. Because when Mika got this puck, again, like a lot of you, I was thinking, you know, shoot, shoot before the clock runs out, just throw the puck at the net, maybe it goes in, but everybody was expecting Mika to shoot, including Aaron Dell. Dell kind of moved up in his crease to kind of, uh, you know, meet the shot from Mika Zibanejad, just kind of give him less to shoot at, and as soon as he did that, it played right into Mika's hands, because Lindgren was crashing the net, everybody on Buffalo kind of lost track of him, I don't think anybody really expected him to be in that deep, but Mika passes over to his left to Lindgren, and it's an easy tip-in goal, and again, nobody that you would feel better about scoring this goal than Ryan Lindgren. He deserves it as much as anybody on this team, and just an absolutely fantastic, dramatic win for this New York Ranger team. But we're obviously just scratching the surface here. We got a lot more to talk about. There was so much that happened in this game. We also got to talk about uh, Hockey Fights Cancer Night. I'll get into that in just a second as well. But first, I just want to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And just wanted to thank you guys, as always, for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And we will get to, uh, you know, I definitely want to talk a little bit about Hockey Fights Cancer Night. I thought the Rangers did a really nice job with that. There's one more thing I wanted to talk about regarding uh, the game-winning goal by Ryan Lindgren, though. And that's that there was a non-call in the neutral zone. Mika Zibanejad had the puck. He was tripped clear as day. And this is, mind you, in the same period where they called Ryan Strom for a tripping penalty in the offensive zone. Kind of a ticky-tack call against Strom. If you're going to call that, then you got to call this. I mean, Mika's exploding through the neutral zone. He makes a move to his left. It looks like he's going to go around the defender there, and the defender trips him down. He just tripped him down clear as day, right in front of the referee. I don't know how this was not called here, uh, but the interesting thing and what's kind of ironic about this is that play then obviously continued. There were about 30 seconds left, maybe a little bit less than 30 seconds left when Mika was tripped here, but the Sabres, you know, they, they got their stick on the puck not too long after this, so had the penalty been called as it should have been called, 
then there would have been a whistle here, and we never would have gotten the heroics that we got because, again, the Sabres got possession of the puck very briefly, but still clearly enough to get the ref to blow the whistle and uh, you know send the guy to the penalty box. The Rangers would have come back with a power play, and who knows? Maybe they score a goal right then and there uh, late in the third period on the power play on the man advantage, but, you know, there's no guarantee, and obviously this play kept going because the penalty was not called, and we get the heroics from Ryan Lingren. So just kind of ironic that it worked out that way, that it actually turned out to be to the Rangers' benefit that no penalty was called on this play. Kind of an interesting way to look at it, but uh, that's how it turned out. And then there was an exchange between Mika Zibanejad and Gerard Gallant at the end of the game, a little bit of a shouting match between the two of them. And if you listen to Gallant's comments after the game, he said uh, apparently Mika Zibanejad kind of went after the ref after the ref did not call a penalty when he was tripped down. And I can understand Mika Zibanejad's frustration there, but I guess Gallant from his position just wanted Mika to let it go. Uh, You know, just enjoy the win. Enjoy the win with your teammates, which I can understand that as well. Um, You know, it's one of those things that happens every now and then in the heat of battle. I don't think it's anything that's a cause for any concern long term. I mean, look, they're both competitive people, and they both want to win these games, and the good news is that the Rangers did indeed win this game here, and like I said, uh, just probably emotions boiling over a little bit there at the end of the game. Again, I don't think it's any reason for long-term concern. The other thing I want to talk about here before we go any further, before we jump into any stats or any X's and O's from this game here, is that the Rangers hosted their Hockey Fights Cancer Night, and before the game, there was a young recent cancer patient, excuse me, that uh, recently completed treatment and is now cancer-free. So uh, that individual was out there and ringing the bell to signify uh, the end of their cancer treatment, which is obviously awesome to see and something that, you know, we we had Bobby Sampson, my good friend on here not too long ago, and we were talking about certain things that never get old. Uh, We were talking a little bit about Veterans Day and, you know, how at certain games there will be a young fan in attendance and they'll be surprised by their parent returning from service, you know, and and seeing them for the first time in, you know, several months. And we talked about how that'll never get old. Stuff like this will never get old either. We see a a cancer patient, not to mention, you know, a young cancer patient uh, who goes out there and gets to ring the bell and signify once again that, you know, they've completed their cancer treatment. Just really great stuff. Uh, I know this night probably hits home pretty hard for Gerard Gallant because less than a year ago, he actually lost his sister uh, who was fighting a multi-year battle with cancer. She was just 60 years old when she passed away. So that's obviously very sad as well. It's one of those things where, you know, I think probably, you know, just about everybody listening to this, you probably know somebody who at one time or another had to fight cancer. There might be people who have lost family members due to their fight with cancer. And my heart certainly goes out to you. It's one of those things that just kind of touches everybody. And if you don't know somebody, you might have had cancer yourself. You know, that that's another possibility. And if you don't know anybody and you're lucky enough to have not had it yourself, then you probably know somebody that knows somebody. And it's just, you know, a really just awful disease. And it's not something you would wish on anybody under any circumstances, obviously. But I think, uh, you know, the Rangers and the NHL in general do a really nice job uh, kind of uh, just giving the proper spotlight to a night like this that it deserves. You know, Hockey Fights Cancer Night. That's a great uh, name for it as well. But, you know, they did stuff like this periodically throughout the entire night. I remember uh, when they were coming back, I think it was when they were coming back from a commercial break, uh, they did, they kind of just, you know, paused the game a little bit and uh, people were standing up and they give out those signs that say, I fight for, and then you can use a Sharpie to write in who you're fighting for uh, as it pertains to cancer. So there's people that say, I fight for mom or I fight for Uncle Danny or I fight for, you know, my friend Joey, whatever it might be. 
I really think this is a nice touch here because it, it kind of just drives that message home that everybody knows somebody. And if you don't know somebody, then you know somebody that knows somebody. It's one of those things that, you know, I think we all have in common. There's so much out there about how different we all are. And, you know, there's all these conflicting viewpoints on seemingly everything these days. But, um, you know, I, I think um, this is one of those things that everybody kind of shares. I think everybody can agree that uh, cancer is just awful. And um, it's one of those things where we're all just kind of in it together. One other thing that kind of stood out for me, I always thought this would be fun. I mean, I'm way too old to do this now. And, um, obviously this was reserved for a young fan that had overcome cancer, but they had a young fan riding uh, a Zamboni between periods, uh, just kind of sitting on the back seat there, just chilling. Uh, this individual has been cancer free for four years, but still a very young fan. I didn't happen to catch his age, but I mean, I don't think he could have been much older than like 12 or 13 at the oldest. So again, just a really nice uh, thing that the NHL does. I thought the Rangers did very well with it last night. And uh, again, my heart goes out to anybody who is fighting cancer has fought cancer, knows somebody who's going through the battle right now, just know that you're not alone. And I think uh, the Rangers and everything they did last night really kind of reemphasizes that, that if, if nothing else, you're not alone. We're, we're all kind of in this thing together. And we will get back to the hockey stuff, continue breaking down this win in just a second. But first, I just wanted to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving. All the good food and treats and plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It is the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar, or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for you when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. New surprises all month, limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check the site often. There is nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, so a big decision that was made in this game was at the start of the third period, the Rangers yank Alex Georgiev from the game, and they put in Igor Shosturkin. Igor Shosturkin goes on to stop all four shots that he faced, while Alex Georgiev really had kind of a rough night, uh, only stopped 14 of the 18 shots that he faced. There were times where he was kind of hung out to dry. I mean... Jared Tenorti had a really bad turnover that led to a breakaway for the Sabres. That never should have happened. That gave the Sabres a 2-1 to lead in the second period. But by that same token, I think it's pretty fair to say that Alex Georgiev did not have his A game in this one here tonight. What's kind of ironic about this is that I think the Rangers probably still would have won this game 5-4 to even if they had stuck with Alex Georgiev in the third period. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm against the change because, again, Alex Georgiev just wasn't at his best. I think that from Gallant's point of view, he saw that and he said, we got a 4-4 game going into the third. My best chance to come away with two points in this one is to go with Igor Shesterkin, go with my franchise goalie, and that's what he ends up doing. And Igor did make all four saves on all four shots that he faced, but none of them were really high danger opportunities for the Sabres. Part of that was obviously because the Rangers played their best hockey of the night in the third period. I don't think that's even up for debate. There were times in the first and second period where they were a half step slow and the Sabres really took it to them. The Sabres were outworking the Rangers for portions of this game. And, uh, Hopefully the Rangers learn their lesson from that and understand that no matter who they're playing, you know, they got to bring it every single night because, you know, as things stand right now, you know, at the end of the season, I, I tend to do my top 10 uh, best Ranger wins of the season and my top five worst losses. 
I think the fact that the Rangers ended up winning this game and doing so in such dramatic fashion, this is probably going to find its way onto my top 10 best wins. But had they lost this game, it probably would have gone on to my top five worst losses because they had the loss of Toronto. It was a, a tough game. The Maple Leafs played great. I think it's one of those games that, you know, sometimes you just get beat and you can't win every single game. The Toronto Maple Leafs are a really tough team. It's in their barn. It is what it is. The Rangers lost the game. But to then come back and lay an egg against the Buffalo Sabres, that would not have been good. The Rangers really needed to win this game and eventually they were able to do that. Um, but yeah, it's a tough game to, to rank in that regard. The fact that they won with a, less than a second left, I think it'll end up on my uh, best wins. But getting back to the decision to go with uh, Igor Shosturkin over Alex Georgiev, I definitely understand it. Again, it's just a little bit ironic that I think that even if Alex Georgiev had played the third period, I don't think any of those four shots would have gotten by him either. I think pretty much any goalie in hockey, unless I'm forgetting one. But to me, the four shots that Igor faced in the third period, all very stoppable. And uh, I don't think any goalie in hockey is probably going to get beat on any of them. Again, it's possible that I'm forgetting one. But yeah, uh, Igor comes in. He ends up getting the win here. And... You just feel for Alex Georgiev because what he's doing is not easy. I mean, he's used very sporadically this season, and understandably so because Igor Shosturkin is quite simply just the better goalie, and he's going to get more starts than Alex Georgiev. But Alex Georgiev has had just five starts this season. He's appeared in six games. He's got a goals against average of 408 and a save percentage of just 858. Uh, what's better to go by for Georgiev rather than those numbers is just looking at you know his five starts and, okay, how many did he play well? How many did he not play so well? I would say overall, he's probably only got two good starts out of the five so far this season. He held the Senators to just two goals, and he held the Devils to just three goals and one in the shootout as well on that night. Other than that, he's given up four more goals in all of his starts this season. So, uh, yeah, you know, you just hope that uh, Alex Georgiev can figure it out, turn it around a little bit, and you know, just kind of get used to the fact that he's not going to be playing very often. It, it's not an easy task to just go in there once every two weeks and, uh, you know, stand on your head and be a phenomenal goalie. But that's the task that he's charged with right now. And that's the way it's going to stay because I don't see any way possible that, you know, Alex Georgiev cuts into Igor Shosturkin's playing time in any significant way. Another third period adjustment that kind of piqued everybody's interest is that we had Dryden Hunt and Barclay Goodrow basically just flip-flop. You had Goodrow moving from the top line right wing down to the fourth line left wing and Dryden Hunt doing the opposite of that. So, you know, it's an interesting change. I think uh, Gallant was talking about this after the game and he was talking about how he just felt like they needed a little bit of a spark, needed to just kind of switch things up, get things going a little bit. With Barclay Goodrow and Dryden Hunt, I mean, let's be honest, either one of these guys is at least somewhat miscast playing on the top line, but obviously it's been necessitated by the fact that a lot of guys from last season who could have been in that role are no longer in the picture. Obviously, Buchnevich and Blackwell come to mind. You've also got a situation where Vitaly Kravtsov is overplaying in Russia right now. We don't have to get into that in any kind of detail. And you've also got a situation where Sammy Blay was taken out for the season on a dirty hit by P.K. Subban. And Capo Caco's really kind of found a home on that second line there with Panarin and Strom. So options are pretty limited right now. And I guess that they just look to flip-flop this and reward Hunt for some strong play. Because, you know, Dryden Hunt, he's one of those guys that has kind of overachieved. We, every season we see this, there's at least one or two players on this Ranger team that ends up contributing to the team in a much bigger way than you ever would have imagined going in. Uh, two years ago, it was Ryan Lindgren. 
this past season, I would say probably Colin Blackwell. And uh, this season, so far at least, it's looking like it's going to be Dryden Hunt because he was somebody that was just a complete afterthought. You know, the Rangers signed him on the first day of free agency, but you bring him in and you think like, okay, well, this guy, you know, maybe he's like the healthy scratch type kind of player, or maybe he's in the lineup sporadically, or maybe he ends up on the Wolfpack. No, Dryden Hunt's been in the lineup pretty much every night for this Ranger team this season. I think there were a couple times where he was a healthy scratch early in the year, but for the most part, he's been out there and he's been ticketed for that fourth line pretty much every single game except for this one. And so Dryden Hunt goes from a complete afterthought to now playing on the first line with Mika Zibadjad and Chris Kreider. We'll see if they stick with that change going to the next game. Could go either way. I mean, again, you know, between Hunt and Goodrow, I think it's kind of a wash because you're not expecting big-time fireworks, offensive fireworks at least, from either one of those players. They kind of play a similar style. Maybe they stick with Hunt, though. It's at least possible. I'll be curious to see how they line up in the next game. Um, but, you know, good for Dryden Hunt. This is somebody, once again, complete afterthought on free agency day. And even when the Rangers sign him, you know, it, it looks like it's just going to be organizational depth. And now he's out there playing top-line minutes with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, at least for the third period of this game here uh, against the Sabres. And one other thing that I want to talk about as far as, you know, personnel and moves and line combinations and defense pairings and all that good stuff, uh, Jared Tenorti was in the lineup in plays for Nils Lundqvist. This is the fifth game that Jared Tenorti has played so far for the Rangers this season. And I got to be honest, guys, I'm kind of over this Jared Tenorti experiment that the Rangers seem to be conducting here. I realize that part of the reason might be that, you know, Nils Lundqvist is somebody that is not used to playing an 82-game season. So you want to keep him fresh. You don't want to run him into the ground in his rookie year here. You want to give him a little bit of a physical breather as well as a mental break, at least from time to time. But I'm just not so sure that Jared Tenorti is the answer. And I don't want to be mean here because I don't think it's a lack of effort or anything like that. Um, but you look at Jared Tenorti, you look at his career here, he's 29 years old, Jared Tenorti coming into this season has never played more than 28 games in a single season in the NHL, and between the 2015-2016 season and the 2019-2020 season, Jared Tenorti did not appear in a single game in the NHL, and not to sound cold here, but again, he's never played more than 28 games in an NHL season, there's probably a reason for that. And I think we're starting to see that reason. And as we just talked about with Dryden Hunt this year and, and you know, guys like Colin Blackwell last year, Ryan Lindgren two years before that, that's not to say that, you know, a player like Jared Tenorti, a guy who's a career journeyman, a guy that's kind of that swingman between the NHL and AHL, it's not to say that they can't possibly overachieve and step onto an NHL roster and kind of carve out a role for themselves and, you know, force their way into the lineup on certain nights. I just don't think it's happening for Jared Tenorti right now. You know, he's, again, he's played only five games for the Rangers so far this season, but I've yet to see any reason that leads me to believe that the Rangers need to have Jared Tenorti in the lineup really at all or with any kind of frequency for sure. And there's the other thing about this is just the simple fact that I think there's better options in-house on the Rangers right here, right now. Uh, you can start with Zach Jones. Zach Jones is off to a heck of a start with the Wolfpack this season, by all counts, playing very well. And we'll do an episode uh, in the not-too-distant future here where we uh, you know, eventually take a look at the Wolfpack as a whole. We will definitely do that in a future episode. But Jones, so far, in 16 games with the Wolfpack this season, has one goal and eight assists. So he's obviously producing down there. And I realize there's a big difference between the AHL and the NHL. But we saw Zach Jones play 10 games with the Rangers last season. And he ended up with four assists. He was a minus two overall in that time. Averaged 14 minutes and 59 seconds of ice time. But 
Does anybody think that Jared Tenorti has played better so far this season than Zach Jones played for the Rangers last season? I don't think so. Probably not. And I realize, you know, again, small sample sizes for both of them. But then you think about, you know, in terms of upside, certainly the Rangers uh, would have to believe, and any rational fan would have to believe, that long-term for this New York Ranger team, if somebody's going to go on to become a big-time player, maybe even a star, it's Zach Jones. It's not Jared Tenorti. So, both in the short term and in the long term, I just think it makes sense to have Zach Jones uh, getting some run with this Ranger team. I'm not convinced that if you bring Zach Jones up to the Rangers, that he wouldn't immediately be the fifth best defenseman on this Ranger team. I'm not going to put him ahead of Fox or Lindgren or Truba or Miller, but I think there's a real chance that he would step in and immediately kind of solidify, uh, bring some stability to that third defense pairing, and that he would immediately be the number five best defenseman on this team. So I think it's about time for Zach Jones to get a chance. Again, it's nothing against Jared to Nordy. I don't think it's a lack of effort, and I have a lot of respect and admiration for these kinds of players that, you know, kind of uh, just have to scratch and claw and do everything that they can possibly do to remain on an NHL roster. Greg McKaig is another one. You know, guys like Jared Tenorti, Greg McKaig, they're basically just yo-yoed up and down between the NHL and the AHL for their entire careers, and once they get a chance in the NHL, they're under tremendous pressure to perform right away, because if they don't, you know, they're going to be out of there in the blink of an eye. So, you know, all, all the credit in the world to guys like Tenorti, guys like McKeg that, you know, continue to press on and uh, keep the dream alive, so to speak. But I'm sorry. I, I just think there are better options than Tenorti right now. Uh, Libor Hayek is another one. Libor Hayek has not played all season for this Ranger team. He's been a healthy scratch for every single game. Uh, he was recently sent down to the Wolfpack to do some conditioning. He's back up with the team now. But, I mean, is Libor Hayek not a better option than Jared Tenorti at this point? And on top of that, they're both lefties, so it's not like you'd really upset the apple cart there as far as, you know, defense pairings are concerned either. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it, again, it's nothing against Tenorti. I just feel like there are better options that the Rangers have, and I'll be very interested to see how they handle this going forward. Uh, I would imagine for, for sure that, you know, we're going to see Niels Lundqvist back up there in the next game. Uh, Patrick Nemeth is another guy that really has not played great this season. I don't know that he's been as bad as some people make him out to be, and I think certainly he has some value on the penalty kill unit. I think for the most part, he's done a good job with Jacob Truba there, although even the Ranger penalty kill unit has struggled. And so you've got a situation where you've got the third pairing scuffling a little bit. You know, Nils Lundqvist has had his ups and downs. Jared Tenorti, I mean, I, I think he should be a healthy scratch on, on most nights. And Patrick Nemeth, a uh, little bit inconsistent there as well. So it'll be very interesting to see how the Rangers look to handle this going forward. We did an episode that's set to go live for tomorrow where I take a look at potential Ranger trade targets, but I keep the focus squarely on the forwards. So maybe in the future, we'll take a look at some defensemen that could be had for the right price for the New York Rangers if they want to go down that road because the Rangers do need to get a little bit better production from the number five and number six defensemen on this team, whoever they turn out to be in the short term and in the long term. And then one other thing that I wanted to do before we call it a day here is just kind of shine a light on this insane second period that we had between the Rangers and the Sabres in this game last night. Uh, for starters, we already talked about the goal that gave Buffalo a 2-1 to lead. Uh, Tenorti with just a bad turnover turned right into Hinostraza, who took the puck away, went in and scored. Obviously, uh, Georgiev, one of his strengths is not the breakaway, and this is a night where, again, he just didn't have his A game anyway. So uh, that put Buffalo up 2-1. to And then uh, the Raiders almost committed, well, they did commit another turnover. Adam Fox was looking for a long stretch pass from behind the Ranger net. Ocposo knocked it down and shot, and Georgiev made a really nice point-blank stop, one of his better saves of the night. So that kept it at 2-1, to one, and that was the shift following the uh, shift that made it 2-1. to one. So that could have been 3-1 to one Buffalo just like that. Um, the Rangers eventually end up getting one back, 
The Rangers were about to go on the power play, and it was like the longest delayed penalty ever. Great work by the Rangers here, just refusing to uh, let the Sabres touch the puck. It was actually Dryden Hunt who drew the penalty, but by the time the Rangers actually scored on this delayed penalty, he had long since left the ice, and the Rangers had, you know, their, their big threats out there, obviously six men on the ice, and Panarin plays the puck toward the net. There's a wild scramble. Jacob Truba cleans it up from the doorstep, stuffs it home, and ties the game at 2-2. Two to two. And then, uh, just a few seconds after this, the Rangers take a 3-2 lead, their first lead of the evening. Uh, you had Ryan Strome passing out of the corner to his left to Capo Caco. Caco made just a ridiculous move. It looked like he was going to pull the trigger. He did not. He held on to the puck for an extra second, and then he finally snaps off a shot and scores uh, inside the far post. So that made it 3-2 Rangers. Capo Caco continues to play probably the best hockey that he's played since coming into the NHL. He's been really hot over these past few games here, and obviously, fingers crossed that this is just the start of something big for Capo Caco and uh, not a moment too soon because the Rangers do need to get these kids going a little bit and a lot of them are showing some really positive things recently. We've seen uh, Lafreniere play a little bit better. But I thought that line played really well against Toronto. Obviously, we just mentioned Capo Caco. Philip Heedle looked outstanding in this game last night. He didn't score any goals. He ended up with just the one assist actually on the goal by Truba, uh, but he just looks dangerous, more dangerous than I can remember him looking once again really at any point in his New York Ranger tenure. So it's nice to see these kids starting to heat up, starting to get it going a little bit, and we hope that it's just the start of uh, some really big things. Unfortunately, a bad habit by the Rangers kind of reared its head twice here because the Sabres score on the next shift, and that comes from Tage Thompson. They tie the score at 3-3 three to three at that point, and then just 15 seconds after that, they score again. Rasmus Dahlin scores, and the Sabres go up 4-3. to three. The good news is that it was finally the Rangers' turn to uh, strike back. Keandre Miller gets a goal for the Rangers to tie the game at 4. So we had... A total of four goals being scored in the span of just a minute and 22 seconds, two goals by each team, but it was nice to see the Rangers respond here. And something that uh, I've been mentioning on here is that I need the Rangers to find a go-to line for the shift that immediately follows a goal because this has not been a strength for the Rangers over these past couple of seasons here, and obviously it reared its ugly head in this game as well. But what line do you think was on the ice when the Rangers scored this goal to respond after the Sabres had just scored two quick ones? Well, that would be the fourth line, and we saw uh, Ryan Reeves pick up his first point as a New York Ranger. He gets the secondary assist. Goudreau gets the primary assist and sets up Ke'Andre Miller for the goal. But I just really like the idea of having that fourth line out there. They spend so much time in the attacking zone, and this is an idea that I've kind of floated in the past, you know, the idea of getting the fourth line out there as the line that should be on the ice immediately following a goal. I'm done just kind of casually suggesting this. I'm insisting upon it. This is your go-to line if you're the New York Rangers for the shift that immediately follows a the goal. There's too many times this season where they've been caught flat-footed, and even if they don't give up a goal, they give up a really good scoring chance. This fourth line seems to have a tendency to play in the attacking zone, and for that reason alone, I need these guys on the ice uh, for the shift that follows a goal. The fact that Reeves ends up with an assist here, that's just the cherry on the Sunday. but I think that this is the line to go to if you're the New York Rangers uh, for the shift that immediately follows a goal going into the future here. And then obviously the stage was set for Ryan Lindgren's heroics. And again, the thing that I love more than anything about that goal is once again, just the very simple fact that all five players had a hand in it. All five of these guys working their tails off. You had Goudreau and Kreider fighting for the puck in the corner. Finally comes loose. Adam Fox with a quick pass to Mika. Mika with a quick pass to Ryan Lindgren. And Lindgren tips it in. And uh, just a thrilling win for this New York Ranger team. They will be back in action on Wednesday night at 730 against the New York Islanders. That is a road game. 
And, uh, you know, fingers crossed that the Rangers can take advantage of a surprisingly, I don't want to say bad team, but a team that's in one heck of a slump right now because the Islanders are dead last in the Metro Division. They are 5-8-2, and two, and they have lost six consecutive games, all in regulation, by the way. So the Rangers uh, need to take advantage of a struggling team. I guess that stuff kind of goes out the window when you're dealing with a rivalry matchup. But be that as it may, uh, the Rangers have a chance to send an early message to the New York Islanders, a chance to kind of flip the script on everything that happened between these two teams last season. And uh, again, fingers crossed that they can take advantage of it, playing each other on Thanksgiving Eve. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.